Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. Hello, good morning, and once again, it is American Tennis every Wednesday. Uh, and you know, the Yellow Ball Network still is. Uh, up and running, and we have Coach John Denise on Thursdays. Coach Blumendahl, Randy Blumendahl, does Coach's Corner, and I think he's back ready to get kicked in on Sunday evenings and some other programs as well. So tune tune in to the Yellow Ball Network. Also, uh, you'll find my uh, stuff at uh, chuckcreasy.net, chuckcreasy.net, K-R-I-E-S-E. You can get my books. And my writings and other stuff. And listen, every one of these American tennis programs in our last eight years are there. And uh, we've had some darn good ones, some in between ones. I don't think we've had many stinkers. You know, uh, everything uh, goes in cycles, and sometimes uh, you get it rolling well, and sometimes you don't. But, um, you know, we try to bring topics to you that are front and center and give you uh, a voice to talk about it as well, um, look, uh, shoot me an email, chuckcreasy. Uh, excuse me, chuckcreasy at gmail.com, chuckcreasy at gmail.com. If you want some topic covered, let me know. I, You know, I've um, contacted um, Lisa Stone's Parenting Aces, and I'm going to try to get on there sometime soon to talk about this ongoing topic of what the heck are they doing with tennis and our kids another national tournament down at Hilton Head the other day and you know I've got to give them credit they did play two out of three full sets in singles in the back draw I think they go to that tiebreaker but oh come on folks how are we tolerating one set of no ad tennis for doubles how are we tolerating How is there even a sense that that could be accurate? It's not. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I I at least argue that if you play eight-game pro sets, 
everybody has a chance to serve twice in a six-game set. They don't always. It's it's just it's just nonsense. And where where they get this, I I don't know. I don't know. They, these folks don't know anything about tennis. I I could call names, but I'm not going to call out names of people. But daggone it, we have the wrong people making the decisions here. Anyhow, I don't want to go off on a tangent there. What I want to do though is try to keep some things front and center and and give you some information that you really do need because I also I sort of switched over the other night and watched the Hopman Cup a little bit <clears throat> and I I think you know there's nothing worse than fabricated excitement in other words stuff hey we're going to put together this event and hey we're going to make it really really exciting and and we're going to market it and we're going to bring together uh top people and you know what we're going to pay them a lot of money and uh does anybody out there think that pro pro football or pro anything is more exciting than college football or passionate stuff that where where uh kids really care from the heart uh you know and, and you cannot fabricate things of importance you can, cannot just slap them together and Listen, I'll be the first to tell you that Rod Laver is my all-time, um, all-time hero. The guy epitomizes everything that we ever wanted in players and uh, leaders in tennis and the humility, the honoring of the game. And I got to work for his coach, Harry Hopman, when I first started out, or I wouldn't have been in tennis. Those guys respected tennis from the very, very core. So, but they they had it wasn't the Hopkins Cup, it was the Labor Cup, and they were two tiebreakers for the third set. Now I want to ask you, out there as a tennis fan, if you watched the Wimbledon finals with full scoring in four and a half hours, or the U.S. Open finals with full scoring and the drama, the drama that you witnessed are this tiebreaker for the third set. Come on. <clears throat> Really, are you tell are you telling me that it even is one fifth as exciting? It's fabricated. They bring by they try to go team Europe against the rest of the world. Well, you know, I mean, you know, that's sort of that's as generic as you can get it anyway, isn't it? I mean, you know, in, in the Davis Cup, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to dilute uh, and minimize the importance of the Davis Cup? The Davis Cup has always been the most exciting thing. I saw a quote this last week, a picture of the great Stan Smith, and actually, yeah, it was Facebook. I know everybody's here on Facebook, but I was going through there, and it showed a young man with Stan Smith there, and the quote was, maybe the bravest, the bravest event we've ever seen in tennis in our country was the great, I think it was 1980." maybe it was the 80 or somewhere around there, Davis Cup championship, Stan Smith, Bob Lutz won against Romania, uh, Ilya Nastasi and Tyriak. They're in Romania. About the bravest, and, and it was worldwide attention. And, folks, you got to remember back then, are they still watching? I can't remember. Maybe we were still watching black and white TVs and listen to it on the radio. The most exciting and heroic match, and you can't duplicate stuff like that. You really can't. 
but you know the great Stan Smith that was one of the in my lifetime I remember about five matches that were played by great great players of course the 1980 was it 81 or 80 Wimbledon championship McEnroe Borg I remember Laver winning winning the Grand Slam against Tony Roach everybody crowding around the TV in 1969 I remember, of course, that Davis Cup championship with the United States beating Romania. <clears throat> and, and, you know, it, it, it was exciting that Romania, a small country like Romania, had these great, great players. And our, our guys went over there and, and played in very hostile environments and persevered. The, the perseverance that they showed, the courage that they showed, never be for, forgotten. That will never be forgotten. Other than that, what else do we remember? Golly, I think this this year is a great one to remember. The greatest Grand Slam finals ever at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. And you might disagree. You might have your own. But there are uh, there there are some special special moments in tennis that we will never forget. You can fabricate anything you want, where you put together stuff and slop it together and do hokey pokey tennis scoring and all those and try to make it exciting, but, but you can't fake it. You can't fake it. And with kids, kids know. And, and, and the thing is about these tournaments, the biggest mistake USTA you guys are making is that you're calling these level three Southerns, blue group, YMCA, uh, patch on the arm events. And, and, you know, you, you can't – they need to be tournaments of heritage that are built up over a period of time. Kids play for two reasons, two reasons only, rivalries and tournaments of heritage. The tournaments of heritage, I believe every player in the world play. They play for tournaments of heritage. Tournaments of heritage, if you ask anybody in the world, uh, any player, would you rather be number one in the world or win Wimbledon? What do you think? Come on. Would you rather, as a young player, uh, let's say an 18-year-old boy, would you rather be number one in the United States or win Kalamazoo? It's easy. And, and why, oh, why, this USTA? And, again, I just believe they have some of the wrong people making the decisions, and it, it just drives you crazy as a coach that that people don't see more. See more. So, as I was watching that, I was saying, come on, you guys are throwing together this thing and you're trying to make it exciting. The Labor Cup, end of the year, you're trying to squeeze out a couple more weeks out of the season. Usually the players take a bit of a break or they go and they play more select tournaments and then they try to get ready for the Australian Open. But nothing will top the Grand Slams and nothing will top the drama of playing full matches, full matches. So I'm going to throw this out there to all of you that are listening. Talk it up in your sections that, look, go ahead and play the rec scoring if you want to, the tiebreakers for the third, the no ad, the one set doubles, but just use an asterisk. Just put an asterisk there, just, you know, an asterisk to say, you know what, this is like a wind-aided 100-yard dash, you know, the wind was blowing behind your back 25 miles an hour, and that, 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 that's why you broke that record. <clears throat> you got this win in a one-set no-add. Just use an asterisk. That's all we need to do. But we need full matches for the important matches. 
So I want to I want to go into something today, and we're going to program is is not a long one today. Um, and we're going to keep it simple, but I I wanted to go here with a with a couple two big points I want to make. First of all, it's wrong. It's flat out wrong, and I don't care if it's the best thing since sliced bread. When they invented sliced bread, people still could buy, and they're still making whole loaves of bread without slicing it. You know it's just better. And you just have to say this is sliced bread tennis when you use these abbreviated scoring things. But here's here's what what needs a couple things. Here's it's just plain out wrong. And I really believe it has been a hoax all along. There is an agenda. And the reason I say this, folks, if you'll go to my program, I really outline it about a year and a year and a half ago. It's already been January thirty first, two thousand eighteen. You dig up that program, I pointed out step by step by step where it's coming from. But I think that our governing bodies, they really are marching to somebody's drums who does not have the best interest of our young people at heart. And in the United States of America, we get criticized all around the world because here's basically what you've done in the United States. In the United States, what we are doing is we cannot win the Grand Slams presently with three out of five sets in a tough format. So you know what? We're lowering the bar, just like we do in our school systems and things. When we have too many kids failing, what do we do? We lower the bar. When we don't have enough <clears throat> kids winning and self-esteem is not being propped up, what do we do? We lower the bar and we get participation trophies. And when we champion the weak, what? You all have heard me say this. We weaken the real champions. Now, they will, the USTA will say, well, it's all a matter of getting more participation. <clears throat> well, everybody wants participation. But once again, participation never breeds excellence. But excellence always breeds participation so what we're just barking up the wrong stream we need to and, and look it's the same way with music with art with everything we're diluting polluting and prostituting the great artwork of our country aren't we my golly i mean uh, we're looking for good art we're looking for good music we're looking for great students aren't we our students because and look at our schools how crummy they are with all the resources we have being dumbed down, we are scared to death to let the cream go to the top because it might hurt the kids' feelings who aren't going to the top with the cream. And uh, it's not about building self-esteem, folks. It's about chasing excellence in every young person. Every person has a chance to be great at something, and it doesn't have to be the same for everybody should not be the same for everybody. Everybody has the chance to, to chase down greatness in, in some way, and, and that's why we're not doing it. But I've been following this for eight years, and I want to sort of give you a quick, quick, quick um, sort of background on it. But I've always wondered why in the world, why would organizations like the USTA or the ITA 
change think about how how is it logical to change a scoring system after 147 years now all of our great players whether it's Doris Hart Margaret Court Bill Tilden you know Ellsworth Vines Roscoe Tanner I mean you can go on and on and every player comes to your mind all played the same scoring system the Rod Lavers and the Ken Rosewalls and the, and, the, and the Jimmy Connors and and the Chris Everett's, and they all played the same scoring system. Now, how does it make any sense in the world to crown people to similar or the same, in many cases, the same championships and give out the gold balls, to give out the championship trophies and the great amount of money for what they're throwing together out there? Now, how does that make sense? And who would be the person that would have come up with such an idea? Or is there an agenda? Now, how in the world would you get, if you're a person that came up with such an idea, how in the world would you get everybody on board? Well, everybody says, you know, you pay people, maybe. You influence people, you know, coercive leadership, which means you force them to do it, persuasive Leadership, which means you persuaded them with money or because, hey, it's a great idea. Leadership by example. Huh. Listen, I'm going to blaze a trail here. and Come on, guys, follow me. Well, I don't think that one happened. Sounds more like probably coercive or persuasive, doesn't it, you? So how did they get these people on board? And it's been going on for about eight years. I saw the big change probably around 2008, 2009. And, and people started talking about it. And then in college, I've got all my documentation back to about 2012 or 13, 2013, when the argument started out and uh, the ITA came up with some very, very bogus stuff. They jumped on a situation in 2013 at the NCAA tournament where it rained and they went to the NCAA officials, a couple people who I don't know whether they were trying to get famous or they were trying to be, I, I know the people, I'm not going to call them out or rat them out here, you know, but the, the bottom line on the thing is we, we need to address issues, not people. But these these folks ran and they complained, oh, it's too long, too long. This is their chance. Well, that very year in 2012, I'm reading it here. Near 10,000 signatures were expressed online against an, an, a format change after the 2012 NCAA tournament scheduling problems. Time issues had nothing to do with scoring system. There were meant too many teams there. There were 32 teams, 16 men's, 16 women's team. Unprecedented pushback by players, coaches, and fans was temporary acknowledged. However, the USTA and the ITA morphed their approach and presented it again. Huh. 10,000 signatures. I'd say that's sort of overwhelming. Then in 2013, it was up again. Men's coaches at the ITA convention voted after five hours of discussion. The final vote favored traditional scoring and a few simple adjustments for the 2014 winter season. The vote was ignored by the ITA board and the director of the ITA, saying that it was basically a trial vote, and they did it in a private meeting behind closed doors that year. I mean, 
What a scam. What a scam that was. How furious so many coaches were about that. The non-debated format was forced on teams and to be used for the first six weeks of the 2014 season. Many skewed results have occurred since. In other words, skewed results happen because you use no ad scoring. I don't want to go into that, but I've got a, a thing, uh, a handout that, that shows the reasons why no ad scoring just absolutely dilutes, pollutes, and prostitutes your youngsters' game and keeps them from developing and learning how to play. We don't have anybody that can make five sets, I don't think. Nobody, none of the Americans train hard enough, maybe. And I always point out, I love tennis sangren. I always love uh, the way, what I see in Stevie Johnson. I don't think anybody else is doing enough training. Maybe a couple of those younger guys are. They're coming up. I sure hope, hope they make it. That was the best crop of junior players last about three years ago <laughs> that I've seen in a long time. And those guys don't come through. That's not good. In the ITA, 2014, in the ITA's own poll, 81% of college players voted to not change it. 85% didn't want to change the doubles. The votes were ignored by the board again. Huh. One of the top players, guys ranked, won two ITA championships, held his own poll in 2014. 1,347 signatures voted to oppose the scoring changes, ignored by the ITA board, huh? A petition was sent out by women's coaches, the great Lynn Loring, who was one of the greatest coaches in women's tennis history at Indiana University, sent out a, a, a more than 40 years of coaching, sent out a poll. In response, 194 Women's coaches voted to require the ITA, if they were going to make any fundamental change since the scoring, they did need at least a two-third majority. The importance of this petition was opposed by the ITA. This well-respected coach got strong criticism and was called out by the ITA board, basically mocked, and it was horrible the way they treated him. <clears throat> Then an MD Men's Division I Tennis Association poll was conducted in 2014, 67-11 against no ad scoring. After a tremendous pushback, it, it, are you you hearing all this? It's it's unbelievable. It, it just really is unbelievable. But this these are our organizations. And by the way, the ITA right now, they currently I believe have 24 people on it, only three coaches. So what do we have? We have tennis enthusiasts, people who like tennis, 3.5 players who like tennis that, wait a minute, are they using, there is it leadership that is getting these people to go along or is a coerciveness or persuasive by a lot of different means? After tremendous pushback from the coaches in the summer of 2014, NCAA cabinet tabled tabled the ITA move for abbreviated formats. The ITA director sent out three emails in an eight-day period with directives to all the coaches they need to use abbreviated scoring anyway. Unbelievable. 
Unbelievable. So I'm well, here. I this and they flipped. They flipped on a couple of other rules, but at this time, basically, you know, it, it it just is unbelievable how they change it. So I wanted to push forward this. I wanted to push forward a couple things today, and my program is we're, we we only have a few minutes. <clears throat> but number one, how in the world? Could this happen? How in the world would these people, oh, it's such a great idea to bastardize and cut up and use abbreviated scoring. We're really, really going to get people excited about the game. Do you think really, really you think that's what's happening? It's got to be an agenda. There's got to be either money changing hands or, and there, or there's got to be an agenda for something, power or money or something. There's no way they would stay after changing format, this is as dramatic as if you, in football, in college, they said, they would say, you get 12 points for a throwing touchdown, six for running, three for a field goal. It, it's that dramatic. It, it is completely changes the nature of our sport. So, you know, the ITA is a voluntary coaches organization. They charge expensive dues. And how in the world do they have so much clout at all? And I'm just saying that they they and the USTA need to butt out of NCA tennis. Do you hear me? We know. And NCA people, if anybody's listening, I'm loyal to you. I'm loyal to my school. I'm loyal to my kids, my players. But the bottom line, ITA and USTA butt out of college tennis. You have no right being in there. Why? I mean, would, could you imagine some outside organizations telling Nick Saban or uh, Alabama or Clemson or Oklahoma State or Texas football what they should be doing? That's exactly what happened. They need to butt out. Now, just like with that, we need to have discussions all the time about this. None doesn't need to be jammed down the throat. So yeah, I'm accusing people of having some ulterior motives here. What where's is there a deep state? Is there a deep state? Is are there people pushing this for 10 years? If you listen to my program, I've got some great articles that sort of talk about the ITF and, you know, a lot of money that they get from the gambling industry. A lot of money they get. And it seems to me it would benefit those industries if things were more random than accurate. And with our school, with our our sport is a sport of skill, and you should never use random random scoring systems to measure a sport of skill. Never. You don't do that. It's it's ludicrous. It's idiocy to measure. Skills, sports of skill with random scoring methods. And uh, it's a whole program I could go over the 10 things. Game points worth eight points. Eight points. Eight point swing on game point and no ad scoring. It takes away the ability to have to win three in a row. It takes away players' ability to build pressure throughout the set even if they're not winning games, very much like getting body punches in in a box. I mean, just you could go on and on and on, but more than anything, folks, more than anything, it's 147 years of history and heritage. 
Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? There's got to be a reason these guys are doing it. Well, that's number one. What's that reason? You know, send me an email, chuckcreasy at gmail, chuckcreasy at gmail.com. Send me an email. Tell me what you think about that. If you want to come on the program, send me an email. I'll get you on here to talk. But uh, we, it's, it's amazing. That's number two. Why is everyone such a chicken liver? You, you, you out there that are listening, you're saying, well, I don't have any skin in the game. I don't really care that much about tennis. My kid's not in junior tennis anymore, so I'm just playing rec tennis. No, we all need to care about it. Tennis means a lot to our country. It means a lot to our lives. We should not be diluting or minimizing the effect of the great, great champions we've had by crowning champions that don't deserve it now. And, yeah, your kid won a doubles championship by winning four sets of tournament, set four sets at a tournament. Now, come on. Really, do you feel good about I mean, uh, look, look, it, it, it's just awful how they've diluted our sport. So I'm saying I've always said that old people get to the place where they just don't care anymore. Young people just want to fit in. I'm scared to death about you young people out there. After I saw how they treated that 16-year-old girl on TV the other day, it's just awful in the news, how they could manipulate her and treat her. Oh, my golly. But our young people are so easily swayed. They just want to fit in. I tell my young people that before compliance, you better have an element of defiance and not just buckle over on people you want you to buckle over. It's not like you're going to wake up at 25 or 35 or 45 Say, I'm going to stand up for integrity now and stand up for things. And then middle-aged people, you got the golden handcuffs on. We know this. But if you're outraged, you need to be talking about this. We need to get a discussion out there, and we need to get this information on the table. And there needs to be some pushback. So, and, and you know, I was thinking a lot about this. I, I think when I had Dennis Ralston on one time, and Dennis is – Dennis was never afraid to speak out and say what he thought the truth was on stuff. You know, he was always a, a noble and straightforward and honest, great, great competitor, never was afraid to speak the truth. But he said, you know, we need to get some of the great champions of the past and say they want that. Please protect our championships. Please protect our, te- our game of our sport of tennis. Please honor this. And bottom line, folks it, it, we we're if we make chess into checkers in other words make what we had as the greatest scoring system in the world and the most brilliant brilliant scoring system the way the momentum can change i don't have to defend it at all after you saw wimbledon and the us open and in the tremendous matches there but we're changing that into checkers basically what lower the bar, and maybe, just maybe, we'll have some champions in the U.S. Is that it? Because we're not tough enough? We need to be tougher. Everybody needs to be tougher. This is a great, great sport. And you know what? Nadal deserves to win all his Grand Slams. Federer deserves to win, and Djokovic deserves to win. Now, Medvedev, he's going to get cut and hurt a little bit more, and then he, he might be on top. But that's why they're called the champions of the world, just like a heavyweight champion of the world. It's not a week, week by week, and 
champion of the month club. No, these are great champions. These are legacies. These 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 people should be honored and revered and respected, and their championships should not ever be clouded by the make-believe championships that we put together with no ad scoring, tiebreaker for the third set, and one one set for doubles. College tennis, come on. We need some USA champions that go to college and become champions because they got great training in college. It could still be done, but you, you can't do it with no ad scoring because kids never learn to get tough. It's it's that simple. Folks, I, short program today, and I, I just thank you very much for letting me put some things out there. And I've got, I've got all the information. I'm an encyclopedia of this topic. And I will oppose tyranny. I will oppose tennis tyranny. And Thomas Jefferson said, as he said, resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. And by golly, I love tennis and the sport of tennis. And I love American tennis. And I'm a patriot of American tennis. And American Tennis Patriots is a doggone uh, Facebook site you ought to try to go to. American Tennis Patriots. But remember, resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. And we owe it to our kids. And we owe it to this great game of tennis. And that's that's about it. I'll be back next week. And I want to remind you, you're in the process of winning or losing every day, every life. And it has very little to do with a win or a loss. And this is Coach Chuck Creasy. Come